You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mount Westwire football podcast. Website mwr.com, as you all know. If you don't know, that's where you find all of our stuff. Or podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes, wherever. Matt, it's what week are we in? Because we're in the off season for football now. What week is this? What are we considering this? Week, I don't know, week zero? <laughs> I mean, te- technically, we're recording this on Sunday night, the 10th, and the national championship is, is tomorrow. Who cares? But who cares? <laughs> I Are you going to watch the game at all? No, probably not. Not I'm at all? honest. Alabama football is not interesting to me. I mean, yes, they're very good. But yeah. Like it's it's kind of boring to watch that all the time. Let me ask you this because we I didn't I didn't discuss this before that we're going to talk about it. But do you care it's them or do you care how it's decided that it's usually them Ohio State and Clemson? Well, I mean, Ohio State shouldn't be there because they bent the rules just Ooh. to get them into the playoffs and begin to begin with. Interesting. But but gender generally speaking, say it was like a typical nine let's play five games you play 10 games you play 12 games type of year. Mm-hmm. do you like my point being you put out the tweet from craig thompson the athletic they did a bunch of interviews with the 80s conference commissioners and he was like my thought like he doesn't care it's these two teams he kind of wants the journey to be the teams to get there yes like the NCAA, i would agree with like march madness no that's okay that's just that's what i was getting at because i may watch a little bit because i kind of have to for work but I'll tell you this: I am a hundred percent excited that Ohio State just curb, curb stomp Clemson. I no, I, I, I guess I can get behind that. There you go. But yeah, it's not the plan to get to. We don't care. I'll probably watch a little bit just because I need to for work. But if it's the same teams and we get a bigger tournament or an actual playoff, that'd be fun. That's what we want, right? That's all we're yes. asking for. So I mean, like, is a one going to beat a sixteen every single time? Yeah, probably. But that doesn't stop them from having. A 16 seed every year. You know what I mean? Just saying, you on BC. Come on. It happens. Exactly. It, it's, we're not going to get a playoff talk. You know our thoughts on it, but I brought that up. And Craig Thompson actually had a, a very good point, as it's some others, where it was inevitable. Well, four teams, five big leagues, five other leagues. Like, whatever. It'll change sooner than later. But if you have, if you have the athletic, go read that piece. It's pretty interesting <clears throat> and quite lengthy. Like, Mac Brown has some good stuff. 
some I also hate the unnamed Power Five AD so they can speak candidly. I'm like, come on, put your name to it, right? Yeah. It's like I don't know what school it is, but uh we'll see how that goes down the road. But if you watch the playoff, I'm not gonna complain about you. It's it's college football, it's fun. But this year's been weird and honestly we'll get to the good, bad and weird and nonsense this year. It's been a bit trying. But let's get to the first little big topic here. Boise State has the head coach. Finally. Finally. Did you know it was only 17 days? <laughs> uh, no, but that's mostly because time is strange these days. And holidays, and AD. It wasn't just because gestures to everything, because COVID, election, chaos. Um, I mean, with the, with the exception of going to the grocery store a couple days ago <laughs> and then going for like a day hike yesterday, I've basically been at home for at least two weeks straight. So, yeah, yeah it, it, it gets a little strange after a while. And then you add in the holidays, you add in whatever you're doing in your free time and stuff. It's uh, only 17 days. And I'll ask you this about the – so let's think about the, the job here because obviously it took over for Brian Harsey, who's in Arkansas – or not Arkansas. Uh, not, we'll get to them. Um, <laughs> not Arkansas, the Auburn. But I was thinking about like – he was the most obvious choice, right? Andy Avalos, Oregon defensive coordinator, former Boise State defensive coach as well, years ago. I would agree with that, yes. Is it because they wanted the new AD to come in and get their own pick of who they wanted? Because they reportedly interviewed Graham Harrell somewhere, USCOC, in person. Because they had those in-person interviews the past couple of days with Jeff Choate. I don't know if they interviewed Brian Johnson in person or the um, – OC down at Florida because that's kind of a weird spot to in-person interview when you're across the country. So mm. who knows how his actual final interview went? But was this just AD doing his own homework? Even though this is the most obvious choice. Well, that was the understanding that I got from from Boise State beat writers like BJ Rains, where I think they once they finalized the athletic director, then they started turning the focus to the head coaching search, and that nobody was interviewed before Jeremiah Dickey was brought in. That's my understanding. That makes sense too, but like. Also, Alvaro, even before Dickie was there, was probably or definitely the number one target. Mm-hmm. So by the president and whoever else was involved in making that list, because there was names tossed out there. Like we had a big list. Other people did. But we knew it was only a couple of guys. So they ended up on him. Um, this, uh, there's nothing wrong or bad about this hire. I would have been more intrigued with Brian Johnson because partly because yeah, I see him play what he did here at Utah and stuff and his progression. It would have been more of an interesting hire. But I don't want to say this is a safe hire at all, but it also makes the most sense because, I, again, like I said last time, Cullen Moore is never an option, in my opinion. Because we talked about the pay. Jerry Jones just opened up his uh, pocketbook and $2 million could fall out of his back pocket, essentially. Mm-hmm. Avalos is only getting about $1.5 million, which is less than Brian Harson was getting by a couple Yeah, of his, his buyout's a lot bigger, though. Well, yeah, because... <laughs> Boise State, because there were idiots who say, oh, we, you, you went to Boise State, you're the best. We'll make your buyout as little as possible. You're dummies. You don't do that. It's like, I, I know there's leverage both sides. Like, well, maybe I'll go if I don't get a better buyout for me. But it's they. I don't know if they felt there's loyalty there from Harson being around the program before, being part of it. But you got to have a good buyout. It's it's like these contracts, it's nothing to dive in. It's something weird to get into. We don't, we don't need to now. But buyouts are like, if you're confident, I'll be like, Coach, give him a $100 million buyout. Give a, make it a $20 million buyout. Like, mm. te- we know teams are willing to pay that money. If you're that good of a coach, you have confidence in yourself, wouldn't you think you'd rather have a gigantic buyout instead? Because Auburn paid like $30 bucks to bring in Brian Harson essentially. Try to get that, that uh, Jim McElwain type buyout. I'm just saying, yeah, do stuff like that. Where that's, like, I get you want a little buyout for your options, but 
if if you're that good, teams teams will pay for it, as we've seen. Mm-hmm. But what what do people need to know about Andy Alvarez? She's the Oregon defensive coordinator past two years, back to back Pac-12 champion teams. Even though this year's Pac, they were not the North Division champs this year, but they were the Pac-12 champions. I mean, what's interesting to me about Avalos is when you think about Boise State's prolonged run of success, what you tend to think of first is like the offense. Mm-hmm. You know, you tend to think, you know, Dan Hawkins was an offensive guy. Chris Peterson, Dirk I think, Cutter was an too. offensive guy. Dirk Cutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Harson, you know, former Boise State quarterback turned offensive coordinator turned head coach. And Avalos is kind of, is a departure from that, but that's not to say that he hasn't you know been able to burnish his bona fides not only on the blue but in the two years in Eugene. Yeah, I, I put it out there on in the the write up that we had when the news became official that there wasn't really any drop off, you know, at least by SP plus, which I think is kind of a, a catch all measure for you know how a team performs and you know in terms of like explosiveness versus efficiency and, and things like that. The things that tend to correlate most strongly with the team's success and over the last two years you know he's been maybe even a step better than he was at Boise State and so I think with that in mind you know obviously it's 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 really hard to be a top 25 defensive SP plus team like he was with the Ducks in both 2019 and 2020 yeah but you know even before that when he was the DC under under Harson. You know, you're talking about a team that was a top 40 defense easily. And that, I think, is something that a lot of Boise State fans can look forward to, is that, you know, the defense kind of gets overlooked sometimes. It shouldn't. Has the, it shouldn't. It has really, but, really good players the past four to five years. Exactly. And and Avalos has had an active hand in that. You know, Leighton Van Der Esch is obviously kind of the, the big name in that group. But he's had a hand in developing seven guys who've gone to the NFL, uh, or at least get, getting drafted in the, into the NFL. Um, and so I think by by those measures, was he the obvious choice? Yeah, but there's a, there was a lot of really sound reasons for that. So what 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 would have been the other choice? Like I agree with everything you say. Defense has been great under him, and you're right. Like. We've talked about this in how, how many team previews the past couple years where, yeah, we know the offense is fine, but the <clears> defense, <throat> I don't want to say they've been, well, I'd have to look and see if they've been better than the offense. Like if you look at SP plus or yards per play or per play allowed, I'm not sure if the defense has actually outperformed the offense. But the defense is right there with them. It's like mm-hmm. we know what Boise can do running the ball all the time. All the receivers they've had the past handful of years, back to Titus Young, those type of guys, and running the ball like Doug Martin, Jer- Jeremy McNichols. But the defense, like you mentioned, like it gets overlooked because they run they run a handful of trick plays every game and they work really well and they have the arguably the best trick play or misdirection play of all time in college football the past maybe 100 years you know what i mean like when they mm-hmm. won beat Oklahoma and so there's that to consider but also they have good players like Kellen Moore look what they did throwing the ball down the field look what Hank Buckmar is looking to be pretty good quarterback Grant Hendrick like they've had pretty good players receivers CT Thomas Cole Shakir you have um all these guys who are doing great. Alexander Madison, probably be a really good NFL running back if he wasn't playing behind Dalvin Cook with the Vikings. But mm-hmm. they're there, but the defense, like, they just, it's like what I think. Offense is sexy. People like offense. But it's like the cliche, defense wins you the championships and games, but it's not like Boise's just been good enough on defense not scoring teams. Like, let's let's put it this way. Um, if you look at this year, the season that just wrapped up for the Broncos, even you know under Spencer Danielson, who I believe is set to return as the defensive coordinator, 
the the Broncos ranked 45th by SP plus. So it wasn't like there was that much of a drop off, at least from from 2018 to 2020. I don't have the the 2019 number for them in front of me, but you know, you know that they're going to be able to maintain that same standard, especially if they keep recruiting at the same high level that they have. And there's really no reason to think that they won't under Aplos and everybody else. Yeah. It's like, we don't know what his staff is going to look like completely at the moment, but we know some of the key pieces though. And that I think, you know, and that harkens back to a conversation that I know we've had in past podcasts where, and I think I mentioned it most specifically with guys like Moore when they were being bandied about where, you know, when you know that you've got one side of the ball covered, what matters is, you know, who you bring in for the other side of the ball. So I think the, the indication, like I said, is that Danielson is coming back to be a defensive coordinator, I believe. But they, I think they've also lined up their offensive coordinator as well in uh, Tim Plow, who's coming in from UC Davis. That's a pretty big move, right? Coming from FCS football. Like it not- is, but you but think about this though. The, like the, the I went and I looked up, um, you know, kind of different parts of his resume, um, under you know with the Aggies down in the the Big Sky. One, he's worked under Dan Hawkins for the last few years. Yes, that's true. Uh, two, you know, he had time to work with Chris Peterson in the past. Not bad. You know, helping to learn from Washington. Washington learned from what they were doing at UC Davis. And, you know, more importantly, you know, we, we mentioned a couple of years ago how, yeah, I, I don't know if you recall when the Aggies went to San Jose State and beat the Spartans yeah, I do remember in that. week one back in 2018. Mm-hmm. That was their best, one of their best seasons ever, if not their best season ever. They went, they won 10 games that year. And when you look at, you know, Plow's side of the ball, the offense, you know, that year and the year before that, 2017, were years where they, you know, in terms of total offense, which isn't like the, the most accurate measure, mm-hmm. but, yeah. you know, they were top 10 both of those years. And especially when it came to throwing the football, they were third in the FCS ranks, you know, with Jake Meyer in 2017 and, and 2018 throwing the football around. You know, they were a top 20 team as far as like third down conversions on offense. They were you know, a, a team that knew how to get the ball to its playmakers, you know, and, and to keep, uh, you know, teams from focusing on, you know, one particular guy. Um, you know, and, even, and even when they dropped off in 2019, you know, they had a running back, Alonzo Gilliam, who, you know, he wasn't, they weren't shy about giving him a very high workload. You know, he had nearly 200 carries in 2018. He had, you know, nearly 250 in 2019. And they featured him as a pass catcher as well. You know, he had 57 catches in both of those two seasons. And so I think, you know, if you're worried that he's going to come in and they're going to start pitching the ball around the field, well, they might. But I don't think it's necessarily bad news for George Halani either. Because I think, you know, he, more than anybody else in that backfield, has proven that he can take on that kind of workload. And even that is something that we've seen from Boise State in the past, you know. Shane Williams Rhodes uh, is a guy that comes to mind. Jeremy McNichols, I think, is probably the obvious one. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's a template there that that Avalos and Plow and, and whoever else comes in on the staff is is going to follow. And I think for the players that are there, for the players that are coming back, like Khalil Shakir, like a Hank Bachmeyer, and things like that, there's going to be a lot for them to look forward to in in the, in what I suspect this offense is going to look like. Well, also the Big Sky is no slouch either. It's like one of the best conferences. FCS. Yeah. So if he is the top, top three, whatever you say, top quarter, top three of that com- of conference offensively, that's a big deal because Weber State has really good offense. 
You have um, who else in there that's really good at Big Sky? Um, uh, space, and they're changing. Everybody's going to the WAC now, but they've been in the FCS playoffs and deep runs under Jay Hill the past couple of years. You're talking about like Eastern Washington, yeah, that, like yeah, that's the Eastern Washington, yeah, the Bloodfield, yes. So if you're that, if you're at the top of that conference, it's also relationships too. It's also like who you know. That's how you get a coaching job. You know mm-hmm. these guys, and yes, that's part of it, but also he has to be pretty good. And so it's like with any coach, like you mentioned, that's a exclusively exclusively really good on one side of the ball they want to round out their coordinators it's like adam like with mike leach oh i don't care about defense or like how would him utah he cares about offense but he lets his offensive guys do his own thing mm-hmm. they'll meddle a little bit here and there but if he gets a guy where your your focus is just hey what are we doing this week or this looks good or little tweaks here and there or something that's what you want you don't want to be overseed every little bit of it you want to yeah. know what's going on and it's not your expertise, but you're still obviously you know football. But you want to have guys who are like where you can kind of uh, focus, where you're really good at, and get the other stuff done. Because again, coaching, you're not. It's there's a lot of other stuff that goes on with college football coaching. You're not just yeah. coaching guys. There's administrative stuff, getting kids to class, paperwork, all scholarship count, all sorts of stuff we don't think about or know what they really do. And if you have one less thing to worry about, where you have a confident guy who can take care of that, that's very helpful. Was there any negatives to bringing him over to this to bringing Avalos over the other candidates? Like I don't really think there's many at all. It's really hard to think of anything. Yeah, because he coached Boise State before. He did good things at Oregon. I the only I guess the only thing would be the offense, but he was also I, mean, I guess you know the the only and I wouldn't even call it a red flag if you want to call it like a yellow flag or something like that. It's the fact that he's never been a head coach before. Yeah. And and there's always at least a little bit of a jump with with that, but it's not something that I would say is like a disqualifier or like a black mark against him or anything like that. Yeah, I agree. I was trying to think like the only little thing quibble, I guess, there's that. And then him being a but you can't. That's a knock against anybody. If you if you're a defensive or offensive guy, it's like that could be said to any coach you bring in. Like oh, mm-hmm. he's been a like say they brought in let's just say like Graham Harrell. Well, he's only been offensive coordinator. How's defense going to go? Or same with Brian Johnson. He's only coached offense and quarterbacks, and that's it. Like, how this, how would that look? Because defense, we, we we'd be having that same conversation. Well, he better hire a good defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He better hire a good defensive staff. And so, out of these hires, like I'm thinking about the past couple that's been made, like the Jeff Tedford hired, we whiffed on because it was so obvious, but it worked well. Like it's also too early to tell. But this hire, besides it being fairly obvious, but they also did their research. It wasn't like the Tedford where it was a clear 100% going to be him. This There's the Kellen Moore thing. There's like the other guys, Johnson, Graham Harrell. Like out of the recent hires, this, outside of maybe Kellen DeBoer coming back to Fresno State, this seems like probably one of the, be- one of the not safe, but kind of one of the easy hires that looks to be really good enough to uh, convince yourself to be the, be to have this guy be your head coach. Like with Marcus. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. Because Marcus Royal at UNLV, it's like, well, it's UNLV. It's hard. It, he's from Oregon. Never coached there. You look at um, like even bringing Gary Anderson back. That was weird. Or even Blake Anderson, Utah State. Now that seems fine. I'm not going to say it's a what hires better or worse. But as for kind of what you thought you'd bring in, like there's very few questions about the phone. Where other hires like Steve Adazio, it's like, well, what's he doing? Or even also Todd Graham. We were, I wasn't too sold on the beginning of what him bring in, but this seems like the best fit. And anybody who says it's not and say they're going to take a downturn just because, like. There's a couple of guys on their Twitter feed like, well, they're going to finally first-time head coach this, this, or this. I'm like, well, Brian Harsh was only coached for a one-year at Arkansas State. You know what I mean? Like, 
there's guys. I mean, who, I mean, you could say that, but, but after after what twenty years, do you really want to bet against it? No, it's like they've taken a the minors of minor dips the past five years, but even then, they're it's hardly anything. You know what I mean? It's like they're, mm. okay, instead of being top fifteen, you're basically top twenty five every year. It's like you're not destroying up on the whack. And you're playing a, a few better teams here and there. But yeah, it's like if you're gonna bet that, like, well, I'll bet against you until they prove me wrong. It's like mm. every year, like. We're going to do probably our preseason early predictions, like kind of the uh, our staff pick next week at some point. I can almost guarantee, even with the brand-new head coach, Boise State will probably get the most votes, be number one, right? Yeah, probably. Most likely, like, we'll get to players coming back, like San Jose State has a lot of guys returning. Um, Fresno State, with we'll get to that, guys coming back. But, like, San Diego State, if they're healthy, they could be up there, but quarterback's an issue, depending on who's healthy, Lucas Johnson. But odds are history, they'll be number one, and people will be pissy and complain about it to us and say we cater to the Boise State. But it's San Jose State was an anomaly to come out of nowhere. And so it's yeah. uh, this is the right move. Like, there's nothing, very few quibbles about this hire. Do you, I have one last quick thing. Do you believe the, your, I know we talked about Troy Aikman's report because he's not a reporter or journalist type of guy. Do you believe Colin Moore, like, Felt there was not commitment enough to football, and that's why he turned it down. If that was even offered to him, no, I don't know if I believe that. That's why I thought too, because there's the guys like Jay Trust and stuff. Like, well, they're ho- it's kind of where they say we hope we weren't lied to. Like, first, like this is the last part I get to, but if you think about it logically, why would people flat out tell you not the truth? Like, I know there's misleading comments when it's like, I never spoke to this guy. In the corner, my agent spoke to the corner, spoke to the team, not me. It's like you can get around little stuff like that, but like for what was said, like the detail he had, I felt it's highly unlikely. And I don't think these guys are lied to either about what was said. But there's no commitment because if you think about it, like they, you, people could argue, well, there's harsh to want to get him to the American or this or that or independent. Like, well, doesn't mean to not commit to football. That's like a big move to make. Mm-hmm. So that's why I want to. I'm like. It, I just kind of that kind of sticks with me. I'm like, what were they really trying to do at that point? Like, I I don't know. Odds are, if you want the info, you go to people who cover the team all the time. Not even a well connected guy, Troy Aikman, who even if he is friendly with the Cowboys, because well, whatever he hasn't been there in 20 plus years, he just calls games. But he, he tried his best. He did. It's just a, it's just a weird. It's just an odd thing to hear play out to think about from hearing other people that I've worked in similar type of situations where it's like, oh, you're reporting this or that. But all right, good coach. So is this like an A higher, A plus? Yeah, it's a solid A. Solid yeah. A. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's move on to, we have some more players returning to the Mountain West. You wanted to discuss your good old Fresno State Bulldogs because they get Ronnie Rivers back who... Boatload of guys back. A bunch of guys. But I mean, like, let's speak with him. Remember, I'm an offensive guy, man. That's all I care about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to the to that effect, you know, a, a, a lot of the uh, the announcements that have come out over the course of, pretty, I think I want to say the last week or so, have been on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, Rivers is the big one, but um, Carrick Wheatball, wide receiver, mm-hmm. announced he's going to be back. 
Uh, Alex Akingbalu and Matt Smith, a couple of offensive linemen are going to be back. Jacob Westbury, another offensive lineman. Uh, Deontay Perry, uh, defensive back, safety. Um, and, all, and all of a sudden, you know, with and, and it's not to say that it's been like universal. Um, you know, at the same time, Cyrus Tuatelli decided to, to declare for the NFL draft. But when you look at how Fresno State more or less held its own on the offensive side of the football, especially, you know, the defense obviously still has some work to do. And, and it's kind of a weird season. So you like you don't want to make, you know, too, too many kind of declarative statements to be like, you know, they're doomed one way or the other or anything like that. So there's it's still a work in progress. But the fact that they're coming back with just about everybody on offense next year, it has to make you feel really good as a Bulldogs fan because they were just as good as they were in, in 2019, you know, by SP plus by yards per play and things like that. And you have to imagine that they're really only going to get better. And so you look at a team that, you know, I thought that they were probably a year away regardless, you know, just in terms of SP plus, for instance, they were a lot better on, on offense than they were on defense. And I kind of expected that they would be a 500 team, but you know, if they can round the the defense into form and, you know, hold on to their gains or even take another step forward rather than just kind of maintaining where they were for the last couple of years, you know, you're looking at a team that could be a very serious contender for the Mountain West title next fall. Yeah, and also when they look at their offensive line, it wasn't exactly stellar. Yeah, and, and, re- and that was for a number of reasons. Yeah. You know, they had COVID issues. They had you know protocols that they had to follow and things like that. And so it wasn't necessarily as as clean as I think a lot of people might have hoped it would, or at least as far as as much as it was in in other corners of the Mountain West. Yeah, it's like if that's good to go, like. Rivers is like he like he might be the best all around, all around offensive player in the conference. Like I know you have like Calvin Turner who we love at Hawaii, but Rivers puts up a ton running, a, re- returning. He catches the ball in the backfield. It's hard to find a guy that puts up the amount of production of what we saw this year going forward for next year. Like yeah. you have him, you have the receivers, you have freshman receivers who are doing well. You have Jay Kaner who's going to have a full actual year. Because we'll say it a million times, Fresno didn't even get on campus until like what, August or September to actually get together as a team with a first-year head coach, a new quarterback coming in to start, and like you just couldn't do anything. And they were, you're right, they were a step ahead than last than we thought this year, at least I did. I thought they'd be okay. I didn't really expect much out of them. I think I had them losing record when we were way back through in our preseason stuff. But they overachieved. Yeah, the Mexico loss was weird at the end. But, like, there's a lot more to like than not like. And, like, their offense could be similar to Nevada this next year. If Depending who Nevada comes back, we'll get to in a sec. But what they did is far exceeded my expectations. Yeah. And with Rivers coming back, like, I don't think he'd be, like, the, I don't think it now. Look at it now. Like, preseason player, they'll probably go to a quarterback like Nick Starkle or Carson Strong or something like that. But Rivers is right. Like, out of the, out of the non-quarterbacks – I think he's probably the best player in the conference on offense. Is that hard? I don't. Anybody else who could say that or challenge him for that? Romeo Dubs is really good catching the ball, but I mean, for all purpose, for what he does, I don't think anybody's really that close. Yeah, I mean, because it's rare to find a pass catching running back who's as productive as, as Rivers is, and I think that's what separates him from from. And this is no disrespect to guys like Xavier Valade and Charles Williams and things like that, but that's just not the you know a, pre, a prominent element of their game they're more kind of physical between the tackles runners and rivers can do that too you know 
you want to know who the Alvin Kamara of the Mountain West is? It's not in Colorado State. It's in Fresno State. That, just stay. That's, that's a good point. Just stay at Stephen Dodge. <laughs> it's out. It's out <laughs> further west than you. Farther west than you. I like what you did there. Yeah, I'm just saying. And I'm not wrong. Like to have a guy who does that, and like this team, like we'll see what the defense does. But like it'll be fun to see what players come back. Like for us, is bringing a bunch of guys back. We still discuss. I always ask you before, what's the matter doing? Because you have Dubs, you have Toatala, Carson Strong officially back, which I don't think that was that was no shock to you, right? That Carson Strong was going to return. No. Do you, I do like the twenty five one Heisman odds he's getting. Would you take that? I would not. No, you know um, because you're never you're never going to see a group of five <laughs> player win the Heisman in our lifetime. We have once already. Really? Two, twice. When? Ty Detmer, Andre War, where? Oh, that was like thirty years hey, ago. Hey, you said lifetime. We were alive at that. Okay, point. <laughs> okay, okay. I, t- I stand corrected. <laughs> that was a while back, and and there should have been a third. Marshall Fox should have won one as well. So. Freaking Gino Torreira, whatever, Miami. Come on, give me a break. I think that was the year. But, no, I wouldn't take that either. I was going to say the, uh, who is it? Um, oh, shoot, the Alabama winner. He's like 80 to 1 odds, which is. Uh, Talking about Devontae Smith? Yeah, Devontae Smith. I was going to say Devontae Adams. Like, nope, that's the Green Bay Packer Fresno guy. He was 80 to 1 for the season. But, no, it's like you're 25 to 1. Because the funny thing is, his numbers were just as good, if not better, than Trevor Lawrence this year. And he had better receivers than he had the Clemson House. Like, if Dubs comes back, Tella comes back. Like, these two teams, like, the West could be loaded next year because if Lucas Johnson's really that good at San Diego State from what we saw in that first half versus Nevada, if Greg Bell's healthy, we know the defense will be fine. You have San Jose State returning, you have lose Trey Walker, but if, say, they're even 80% what they were this past year, they're still really good. Hawaii's could take it next step. Like, the West, I, ooh, this might be a bold pick. Could the West be better than the Mountain next year? Overall. It absolutely could be. And I mean, you, you mentioned Stan, San Jose State. And even though Fresno had, you know, kind of in bulk, you know, by, by the numbers, the most guys say that they're coming back, you know, for the for this for next fall. The San Jose State's had a couple more guys. You know, we talked about Nick Starple last time. I think he was kind of the big the big name. But, you know, now we know that Derek Deese, the tight end, is coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that Kyle Harmon, the leading tackler, is coming back as well. Just today, you know, the, yeah. The, the anchor in the middle of that defense, and you know, it, and the defense in particular was the thing that really propelled, uh, you know, most of the big step forward. Because I think you know, coming into this season, we had an expectation that the offense was going to be pretty sound. You know, even if there was a slight drop off from Josh Love to, to Starkle. And it was just a matter of, well, is the defense going to turn the corner? And if so, by how much? Well, now we know. And now we know that they're going to be coming back with the, the defensive player of the year. They're going to be coming back with the, one of the, the leading tacklers in the conference. And a lot of you know young and talented players around them. So I, even if they're, they're not going to surprise anybody in 2021, I guess is what I'm saying overall. And, you know, between those three, Nevada, San Jose State, Fresno State, let's not even forget Hawaii. Yeah. Still gonna come, still going to be around. They, you know, pulled uh, – they hit, were this close to being that much of a major factor in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. And e- even a team like UNLV, like as rough mm-hmm. as it was, you know, they could take their first steps out of, you know, the, the, the growing pains they went through last fall and win a game or two, steal a game or two against teams that's not prepared. And, and San Diego State – Obviously, you know, the big question with them is always, you know, can the offense, you know, can the offense come around finally? And, they might. And, and can they offset, especially now, the losses that they've had to the NFL draft, especially in their secondary? So, 
top to bottom, the West is going to be very, very interesting to watch, in my opinion. It'll be fun, yeah. And it's, again, I'll go back to Lucas Johnson. Like, if he's what he is versus that first half versus Nevada, they're in, everybody else is in trouble. Yeah. And the defense will be fine. But it's, I'm excited, like, the West. I just kind of, I start trying to rack my brain, like, you're mentioning this guy's back, this guy back. Well, wait, Nevada, they bring guys back. Hawaii's probably going to be a bit better. Javon Cordero, Calvin Turner. That's crazy. That's wild stuff. Uh, AD also, and, and the West, the West isn't even the only team bringing back or the only division bringing back familiar faces either. Who else you got? Then, like, what do you mean, Justin Justin Rice? Oh, I forgot. How can I forget Justin Rice returning to the conference? Who, who you may recall was the Mountain West play, defensive preseason player of the year by us before before. Well, no, and by the conference. Oh, he was too. Right? Oh, that's right. Oh, yes. Um, and then of course the season got postponed. So he made the decision to jump to Arkansas State. He balled out there. If he didn't pay attention to the Sun Belt, you know, he played seven games. He only had 12 and a half tackles and six sacks. No big deal. Yeah, that's all, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and now he's coming back to the Mountain West, but he's going to Utah State. He's following Blake Anderson there. That's a huge get for Utah State. It really is. And, you know, and, and he's not the only Red Wolf who has come into the ranks with the, with, with the Aggies now. You know, obviously we talked about Logan Bonner last time and, and Brandon, Brown, uh, Brandon Downing, Brandon Browning, excuse me. Um, you know, those, I think, or Brandon Bowling, excuse me, I misspoke. You know, those two guys were definitely going to be kind of a shot in the arm for the offense, which is, of course, is, is Anderson's wheelhouse. But, you know, we have at least two seasons worth of evidence as to what Rice can bring to the di- table in the middle of a defense. And, you know, it gives that side of the ball a lot of instant credibility. And he's not the only guy on that side of the ball who's even, you know, committed to Utah State in the last week. You know, they brought in another uh, linebacker transfer from Texas, Byron Hobbs Vaughns. Before that, they brought in the defensive back from Kansas, Kyle Mayberry. So, you know, obviously a lot of imports will take a little bit of time to kind of, you know, see how things shake out in the spring and into fall camp and things like that. But, you know, on paper, Utah State's looking already much improved from the team that had a lot of headaches, you know, throughout the fall. You know, that's like an AJ Von Bakchan, whatever I can never say his name. Von Bakchan. Von Bakchan. It's so simple, but there's a million letters in that last name. Von Bakchan. Like he's a tackle machine. Like you have him, you have Rice. Um, also, just to make people more clear of how great he was, he had 18 and a half TFLs this past year, not 12 and a half. Which is oh really? Yeah, they, yeah. Must have, they must have separated it on on the on the Arkansas State webpage. Okay, I'm just looking at sports reference for something. I'm like, wait a minute. So, but still. That's double he had the year before, and he met where he's Mountain West like first team all conference, and he played seven games. He's a it's amazing. Like he comes back, like Utah State. We'll see what they can be at quarterback because I guess it's going to be. Andrew I would assume Pease. Bonner has the inside track for QB. Oh Bonner, yeah, never. Yeah, let's look at something else. Yeah, Bonner, maybe Pease. Probably Bonner since he's with, with um, Arkansas State previously. I don't know what to make of the Aggies, but they they bring some good talent in, and if they're eligible ASAP. Which who knows? Probably yes. I'm leaning toward that. I don't know if they'll be back to what we thought the past couple of years are contending, but like we'll see how it goes. But that's a much improved. By the way, I do want to correct myself real quick because you mentioned it was 18 and a half, and apparently, like the, their own official website's numbers are all wrong. He mm. actually played in 11 games this year, not seven. 
So my apologies okay. about that. Regar- screaming at their headphones right you, now. You know what? He's still really good, so it's fine. Very, very good, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have here 10 games, so I don't know what he played in, because pro, pro Sports Reference is 10, but he's very good, clearly. We know that. But like with the Aggies, like give him, like all the guys you mentioned, I don't know how good they, they'll be, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to be as bad as they were last year. Like If you look overall on the mountain, it was like the, Me- the mountainside. New Mexico is going to be better because the last two games, like what Danny Gonzalez is going to do, it's going to be tough, but he'll get there. New coach for Boise State, they'll be probably should be fine. We'll see. Air Force is always troubling people. Wyoming would validate depending on what quarterback situation is, but it'll be fun. But I'm going to say right now, I think the West is going to be better than for the first time probably ever in the conference. I mean, I'm sure this won't be the only time I say this is off season. We'll probably beat this drum, especially when we get to team previews over the summer. But you know, one of the overarching stories was just you know as far as returning production coming into this year. The Mountain West was at the very bottom. Not anymore. And, and now you've got all these guys coming back for this extra year of eligibility. And just, and everywhere you look, it's going to be really fun to watch next fall. Like, well, I can't I can't believe there's like 230 days left until kickoff. <laughs> we'll get there. But yeah, you're right. So like, this reminds me of that, what you mentioned production-wise. Other leagues and conferences, like LSU had a million guys opt out. You had other guys opt out of bigger conferences like uh, from – the Big Ten, Pac-12, whatever, opting out to go pro or just sit out the year, whatever reason. This could be a year where the Mountain West, they bring whoever the champion is, and there's probably the same thing with the American and other group of five, like, oh, I want to do the play because they know their football is not going to be going on beyond college. Like, they may try here and there do a couple weird things, like whatever the XFL returns and those type of leagues go to Canada and try. Mm-hmm. But it's it could be like in the March Madness into tournament, how is this team – a 13 seed winning two games. Well, they have four upperclassmen starting a stud sophomore. And if all these guys are turning, who know each other. And so yeah. when they go out and play like San Jose state plays USC to open the year, when they play their bye games, there'll be most of these teams will have already been played. They have extra t- more experience back because they're top players. I don't like trying to th- rack my brain. There any, besides, uh, is there anybody besides you had a uh, Warren, ja- Warren Jackson Lee for CSU? Is there any other really big names? I'm, I'm blanking. Maybe I am that just left or going pro. Like Trey Walker's transferring. Is there any other big name that's out of here that you could, could think of top of your head? Well, there's the trio from San Diego State. Uh, okay. Tariq yeah. Thompson, Darren Hall, uh, yeah. Dwayne Johnson Jr. Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned a minute ago, Cyrus Tuatel, mm-hmm. offensive lineman, Fresno State. Couple. Um, those are the ones that immediately come to mind. Okay. I, okay. They're not many, but there's guys who are going. To oh, and Avery Williams from Boise State. Oh, yeah. He's a senior and left. So, yeah, there's. Not a ton, but like having like UNLV having Charles Williams back will be a pretty big deal. They may only win three games, but having one of the a better running back in the conference, depending on how they use him, that's a good thing. But mm-hmm. you know, it could be a thing like the champion who comes out of here, all these guys back just an extra year that some would have had to have moved on, but some aren't. And so like Calvin Turner would have been was a senior, he's able to return and stay. And so yeah, that, I mean, it seems like it's it's it seems like seventy five twenty five as far as mm-hmm. people who could be going and have decided to stay for one more go. And there's not many like there's very few that I think that are staying. Like I think Charles Williams could have got drafted in NFL this year or been late pick. Same with Ronnie Rivers been selected had he gone pro. Like guys who are a senior coming back like Starkle quarterbacks would have been taken. I think he would have been gone maybe somewhere late like seventh round pick possibly just because mm-hmm. of what he did. But like there's not many guys who are drafted guys. Well. Yeah, there's only like all the guys who could have been drafted returning, like you said, the percentage. So having mm. guys who are fringe NFL guys return, I think the league will be one of the strongest in a while, and so that'll be a good thing. It's gonna be fun. 
All right, should we go to uh, kind of uh, the whole – I guess we're at the point where big picture, good, bad, not good, weird, stupid, fun, and boring college football for the past year? Let's do it. What? Um, I have a couple surprises I've written down here. I would – this isn't – okay, can I start with the stupid pick I made with Air Force going undefeated? Mm-hmm. Can I just say I was dumb but not dumb with that? Let, let's talk about that. Donald Hammond III didn't play, and that hurt me quite a bit. <laughs> I'm bitter. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we could have made up all the all the losses because COVID and losing Nolan Ferguson for a game here and there. But that was a bad thing. Like one of the things I was really disappointed was I don't even know exactly what happened. I don't really care. It's unfortunate he's not eligible, whatever the term is. But like him being gone was like I was really looking forward to Air Force being really good, even though most of defense was gone. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of one of the big bummers this year about him not being able to play. And then they have the turn backs where all 20 to 40 guys didn't play. It changed the trajectory of the season. And that could be a thing next year too with Air Force where all these guys coming back who who were key players who didn't play. And it's all the experience, like you mentioned. They'll bring all these young guys back and what, say only half of them start because the returning guys who are already ahead of them come back and regain their starting job. Mm-hmm. So that's something we didn't really touch on. But Kind of that's one of the biggest bummer things of the year, besides games getting canceled and stuff like that. But not being able to see Air Force and what we thought they could have been was kind of like the number one on my list. Where it's like that kind of sucked because I thought they could have been really good. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're talking like personal disappointments, um, I guess I would throw Hawaii into that same conversation, just because I, I and I, that's I don't know if disappointment's necessarily the right word. Yeah, I had them, I think, going seven and one when we did kind of our, our refurbished, you know, preview yeah. and predictions and things like that. And what you saw from the Warriors this year was a team that it took time for them to figure out what they wanted to be. But, you know, when it worked, and I think that you saw it work most often, especially in the second half of the year when, you know, they they stole, you know, or not necessarily stole, but they they played Nevada to perfection, and then they you know beat UNLV pretty convincingly, mm-hmm. and then they did the same thing in the bowl game against Houston. You know, it took time for the defense to kind of figure out, you know, what it, how, you know what they wanted to do with their flexibility. But now we know that they've got you know playmakers, you know, on the back end. They've got a lot of young guys with a lot of promise, like Cam Lockridge, like Michael Washington. You know, they've got an anchor in the middle of their defense in Darius Muasau. And the offense was different than I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was something that, you know, we, we kind of envisioned that it would be fast-paced and it would be a little more balanced than than the run and shoot under Nick Rolovich. But, you know, we saw Siobhan Cordero be able to basically carry the team on his shoulders for stretches. And we saw... Like you mentioned earlier, Calvin Turner emerges kind of a Swiss Army knife who can do a little bit of everything. And so if they can just rediscover a little bit of the explosiveness that they had in the role of its years, you know, they, they went five and four this year. And like I mentioned earlier, they weren't that far away from winning six or seven games instead. Yeah. And so I, I, I look at them as being, again, kind of a dark horse as a team that, you know, we didn't see them winning the West title a couple of years ago. Correct. But, you know, going into 2020 with the guys that they have coming back, they it, w- it would be foolish, I think, to ignore their place in the conversation. And that's true. It's like there's teams that did that this year because of what how they're able to practice and play. It's like my team, University of Utah, they were bad the first couple of games. They ended up playing extremely well the second half of the year, beating Colorado and doing quite well. And mm-hmm. so it took – and that's what you saw with these teams, like even like with New Mexico. 
like that was a pleasant surprise when they got those wins at the end of the year and they beat Fresno State and everything. It took them to get time to get going. There's different circumstances. They're down to quarterback number five, and they've a walk-on guy who's a true freshman. And so there's those teams like this year. It's like <clears throat> that's why I like all these guys coming back. It's a glorified spring, and all these guys, even the guys who think about it this way, the guys who are coming back are great. But think of the first-year guys who normally would redshirt or just play like a they get an extra year no matter what. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be the benefit just this year by getting guys like Charles Williams back or Ronnie Rivers, but all these young guys who maybe they needed one extra year to develop instead of right year, they go out there and play. And so yeah. that that's kind of transitioned another positive I had where it's a freebie year and it's a it's an ultimate spring football league essentially where everybody could play and you could come back next year if you want. And so I did, there wasn't too much of teams putting in young guys to play. I don't think overall I'd have to look too closely back at it, but – Everybody got more playing time. If there's a young guy who got – look at Air Force. That's a prime example. All these guys got to play. They, they get I, – I don't know how Air Force is going to work with the extra year because they kind of – I guess they technically had to sit out because that's what the turnbacks were. But it's still going to help them because next year, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, all the starters and key players who are going to play are back next year. They get to play. So this yeah. will be a two- to three-year thing where – just everybody gets their free years. That was also a benefit. You know what the most the thing I hated the most about this year was? What's that? Stupid fans saying you're ducking your team. Nobody was ducking yeah. your team. Nobody was ducking anybody. Nobody. Like, Boise wanted to play San Jose State. San, Fresno State wanted to play San Jose State. So look what San Jose State did just to play in, the, in these games. They went to Arizona, or Las Vegas, excuse me. They had to go to Humboldt State. New Mexico uprooted his entire athletic program and football side to hang out in Las Vegas. Like, these guys wanted to play. And that's another thing I'm kind of – I know why they did it, but it's got to feel for them. But anybody saying you're ducking your team, just I, – I muted and did all sorts of things on Twitter to get rid of people because I was tired of hearing it because it's, a, it's such garbage. Yes. I don't, and then the boys stating, well, they couldn't play. It's like, well, they had injuries and COVID, so – Get over yourself. We miss a bunch of good games, which unfortunately, like the first boys. And, and you know what? You know what that does. And I and I'm pretty sure I said this before, but it overlooks the fact that these athletes are people. Yeah. And you know, so you know, and, and thinking about Boise State in particular, and I know for a fact we had this conversation after the cancellation with San Jose State the first time around. Was you know, if you were thinking about these these players as people, then you would understand that you know the powers that be would not want to put them in a situation where their health is more at risk or rather unreasonably at risk than they would otherwise be and so you know when when the when the the ranks get thinned to a very kind of you know dicey level then those kinds of things are understandable it's not about courage or it's not about want i don't think anybody was you know i don't think anybody had a problem for motivating throughout the year yeah, and and I can get like Brian Harson was frustrated with how it was going, but like I can see where he's frustrated, where it's like, oh, we're doing this, we're doing that, we can't play, we want to play. But I think the rules were pretty in place. It's not like the Big Ten changed rules for Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Like teams couldn't play because they were beyond the limit, and whether you felt the limit was accurate or fair or not, because you could argue like, well, we're fine, we can play. C.T. Thomas, the quarterback, if that was an issue for Boise State, what are we going to mean? Like, we could put somebody back there, Kalosha here to play, or, you know, play quarterback. We'll put mm-hmm. somebody back there. Like, no, it's like, it's a safety thing, too. And also, 
these guys aren't getting paid. They're for your entertainment purposes only, essentially. That so, too. <laughs> there's that. And so <clears throat> that's another big thing about it. But like you can gripe and and, and look at the fine print, like, okay, four players here, this position group here. I'm fine with you looking at the details to see what can play, but it's for safety reasons. You don't want to stick a – it's not the NFL where the Broncos screw you, you're playing down a quarterback. You don't want a true freshman, 6'3", like a 6'2", 185 guy not developed playing defensive line. Like you're going to get crushed and hurt and injured. It's not safe. And yeah. so all that talk was just like it's complete utter nonsense. It's like – Honestly, if they didn't play college football all this year, I'd be okay. I would have been okay with it. It happened. We went through it as everybody else. I would have been preferred to have been typical normal, but there's nothing normal about it. But had they not played, I'd have been fine with that decision either. And mm-hmm. that kind of brings me to the other point where the way this season, I think what the Mountain West did back in August when they said they weren't going to play, they're falling the Big Ten, they're falling the Pac-12. I kind of felt at the time. They, the, it was just, we're just done. Those two leagues are out. We're done playing, and they kind of want to get first on it with them in the MAC. I kind of felt they did better than the Pac-12, who waited far too long. There was no wiggle room just in case to play games because even then, I still would have been like, oh, "This doesn't feel right. It feel great." The Mountain West didn't. Their only their handful of games canceled. Like I don't think there would have been much difference in starting a little bit earlier and giving them more weeks off in between to get games in. Mm-hmm. Like I would have been. I'm not saying that would have been better. But I thought that might have been an option that could have been pursued instead of trying to go eight games in eight weeks or whatever it tried to be. Yeah. So I don't know how you feel about that. But that's what I thought like a possible missed opportunity a little bit. Because they, they knew – because here's the thing, that We knew games were going to be canceled. So why not give extra weeks in between to play every game but also be healthy and still keep the same precautions but allow for more games to be played or rescheduled? And that could, unfortunately couldn't happen. So just like a little more flexibility is what you're saying. Yeah, it's like John Wilner of the Mercury News had like a pretty good idea for the Pac-12. Like basically start on time essentially, but like do like a couple weeks on and a week or two off in between. Like mm-hmm. I forget exactly what he had, but it was like a th- a, some sort of three or four week cycle where the season was extended. But everybody had like, I think it was you played two games, you're off two weeks, but you kind of fle- you flesh that out, but you still have a Pac-12 game every week. Mm-hmm. where if there's a team that's always open to play, where there is um, just more flexibility. Because it would have yeah. been nice to see certain games, oh, we could play it two weeks later or three weeks later. It would have been um, comfortable. It's still kind of concerning for me how everything plays out, what's going on. But I kind of felt they could have maybe started a touch earlier. But I'm not going to quibble hot start. we got plenty of football in there. we got some in there. It was fine to watch, even if I was like, yeah, should, should we be watching this as much? <laughs> So that's kind of my thought about kind of a yeah something that maybe would have been hindsight. The safety was very important to everybody, and the mm-hmm. safety still would have been the same. It would just maybe give in the chance to play more games throughout the year. But then again, if you're extending through mid-December like we were, there's, that's the reason why everybody opted on the bowl games. Mm-hmm. Do you have a good surprise so we get off the bummer notes we're talking about here? Another fun surprise you thought this year? I suppose San Jose State would be the obvious one, right? That's true. Yeah, that's good. It's a uh, nobody thought that was going to happen. Like no. you're, you were the closest to anything, and you were like maybe a, maybe seven wins at the regular season schedule with twelve games. Yeah, I mean, I thought that they might still be a year away. I mean, I thought that they would they had a pretty good shot to get to bowl eligibility. I did not see this coming. No, especially as Nick Starkle. I'm like, is he going to start? He's been to three different schools. He lost with this team last year to Ar- in Arkansas. 
I mean, but that, that's a credit not only to Brent Brennan, but to the offensive coordinator, Kevin McGivin. Are you surprised those two guys are sticking around? I, I, you know what? I think it's always a surprise when a Mountain West coach <laughs> sticks around. Points. Just because, I mean, because you know the nature of the game is yeah. to, to, you know, use these jobs as stepping stones to, you know, more prominent jobs elsewhere. But, you know, I think it's a, a credit to what they're building at San Jose, not only in terms of, um, you know, the on-field product, but, you know, they're re- they're renovating the stadium, they're building a new football facility, and he's been really integral to all of that. It's also, it's also a thing that's like, well, I'll stay here until I can quadruple my salary. So that's part of it, mm-hmm. too, when the money's too big to turn down. And so... That was a big surprise. My one of my favorite things, not just a big surprise, Nevada was a surprise. But watching Carson Strong just chunk at the Romeo Dubs the whole game. That was like the most fun thing to watch all year. Him throwing the ball downfield. Did you keep track like how many fifty plus yard catches did he have? Was it at least like seven? Uh, so, yeah, I believe it was seven. It was a lot. Like that was one of the most things I'd love to see this year of him just chucking them down the field and just burning everybody coming back to the ball. That was a fun surprise of an individual player. Who not that he came out of nowhere, but clearly over exceeded and was it's a crime he wasn't considered for more national wide receiver awards. Because mm-hmm. what else can he do? Catch a seventy yard pass every game? Eighty yard pass? I mean he could try it. Why not? He had a couple of those two no, I'm, this year. I'm just saying, why not? But that was that was, that was like one of my fun surprise into in, individual players. Besides like, don't say Nick Starkle. Um like what other like player that kind of came out of nowhere that was like, Hey, this guy's fun to watch this year? Well, I mean, we already mentioned Calvin Turner a little bit, mm-hmm. and so I feel like it would be redundant to bring him up again. Let me think. I don't think about this. I don't, I don't, sorry, I threw it on you because this one was what we not, did not discuss. Tur- Turner, I'm seeing a Calvin Turner jersey. Can I buy one with his name on, or is that not allowed yet? <laughs> I don't think that's allowed yet. <laughs> is NIL going to be a thing in time? <laughs> so, so I think to me, it was kind of the emergence of new defensive playmakers, and so it, it wasn't necessarily just one guy. Kate but, Hall, you know, I think, yeah. Well, I mean, because I, I had a feeling that Kate Hall was gonna to is gonna take a step forward because we'd seen flashes from him over the last two years. But yeah, that was another situation where like we didn't really see all of this coming. But I mean, we if we if we saw and, and expected something like that from from Hall. We maybe didn't see as much from the guy next to him on the defensive line, Viliami Pahoko. He was pretty good this year. Quite good. So, you know, so you know, I think about guys like him. I think about guys like Caden McDonald, who stepped into really big shoes as a San Diego State linebacker, you know, stepping in and, and all of a sudden, you know, he's out there. He's the third guy in the conference with 10 tackles for loss. You know, I mentioned uh, Muasau earlier, really stepping up and, and becoming a playmaker. And so it's just kind of like that that new class of, of defensive guys where we like we knew that the that the Mountain West is going to be stacked at, at quarterback, at wide receiver, at running back. You know, there's going to be at least two or three really good tight ends and things like that. So, you know, to see kind of these this new bunch of defensive guys step up was really kind of a, a nice surprise for me. Yeah, that was a good thing too. So let's wrap it up here for the season as a whole. Do you? Like we already talked about how the season kind of played out, like who played what. Was the season handled properly, in your opinion? I think it was handled about as well as it could have been given the circumstances. Because once everything came to a halt, you know, from the from the time they pressed pause on the season to the time that they restarted it was basically two months. 
which isn't that much time no. when you consider logistics and, and planning and making sure that everybody stays safe and things like that. So was it perfect? No. no. But I think expecting perfection was probably going to be too much anyway. Yeah, that's what I talked about before. That's why I thought maybe they start a week or two earlier. But there's a lot of reasons for that. Is there anything else you want to – before we kind of move forward and have some random stuff for – not this show because we're basically done. But like the next couple of weeks or months. Anything about the season that you want to get off your chest? Uh, not that I can think of right now. I think I'm pretty much all set. All right. So same with me. We got – yeah, there's uh, not much more. We'll get to all these teams later. We'll get some random comments and podcasts going forward. It's the off season, so I put out a tweet a while back. What do you guys want to talk about the off season? We're still doing basketball stuff. Me and Andy are doing that about once a week. But for football, Matt, we don't know when spring football is going to start because who knows. We got some NFL draft stuff we'll eventually kind of do. We're going to get some interviews lined up. We already have one that's kind of uh, working on date and time. But we're going to try to maybe talk to some people within these programs about how the heck did you play football this year? Was it fun? Because there's a lot of guys who probably didn't have fun, Matt, right? Because of what it was. Like, if you're a Lobo player hanging out in the hotel in Vegas where you can't do anything in Vegas, that's got to be kind of frustrating away from home, right? Those type mm. of things. So let us know what you want to talk about. We're going to work on a few couple of things here and there. Um, also, should we? Uh, can we do a quick 10-second March Xness thing? They got the bracket out. That's true. Were you, not Go check out... Um, is there Twitter actually March, March? March Xness because they have a different theme every year. Okay, I look there real quick. Is this the grunge theme this year? Yes, it is. Okay, it's grunge, but it's not what you think, folks. Because I looked at some of the things. Like, it would just be a Seattle tournament with Nirvana winning the whole thing. Because that was one of the comments on Twitter I think there was. Go check it mm. out. Are you doing anything with that besides just doing a random stuff on it this year? I might try and write an essay if I have the time over the next couple months. Um, I, I put my hat into the ring to write for the tournament. I did not get picked though. Uh, Who do I need to? But that doesn't mean I'm not going to put my, my, you know, my thoughts out there. Who do so I, I, need... I had some ideas. So I'm thinking about exploring them. Who do we need to muscle out to get you in there? Who do we need to talk to? So... <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, 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 I played by the rules. I'm no, okay. Okay, it's fine. But yeah, check it out. There's some Pearl Jam. There's some Weezer. There's Buffalo Tom, I don't know who that and there's, is. And there should be a playlist to all the songs Ooh, as well. They're finally getting the so playlist if, out early. So if you follow them at March X N E S S, you should be able to find it. Yeah, go check that out. It, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll do one of those shows later this year. It's always fun. So go listen to the playlist. Check that out. We retweeted it. There's a bracket there, but we'll have some fun stuff going forward. And our plan is to go basically once a week. We may change the day up on this. We'll see how our schedules work out. But check us out mwr.com. Um, podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us a review if you'd like. That'd be helpful. Um, tune in. I think we're still in Stitcher. Stitcher works properly. Matt, we're over there. But it's like fingers crossed if you use them, if it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we got to deal with that. But we'll be back next time. And yeah, have some fun. And stay warm, I guess, if you're in a cold, cold weather city. <laughs>